Love this podcast? Consider supporting this show. You decide how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Visit the link in the episode description to support now. You are now listening to Your Life, the Mixtape. On this episode of Your Life, the Mixtape, I am joined by an absolute icon. This man is a legend. He is an actor. He is a musician. He is the subject of a documentary, Michael Debar, Who Do You Want Me to Be? He is a host of Little Steven's Underground Garage. Please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, the Mr. Michael Debar. Hello, sir. <laughs> you also left out Stripper which when I was uh, in my teenage years, just to make things work, you know, I decided <laughs> to go and, and become a striptease artist. And I probably still am. You know? <laughs> it's good to be with you, however. So I, Little Steven's Underground Garage is uh, coming up on its 21st year. Um, mm. How long have you been involved? I've been, uh, you know, with Little Stevens Underground Garage for almost nine years. I've been nine years and a month. And I must say, it's the only job I've ever had <laughs> in many <laughs> ways. You know what I mean? It really, the consistency, my life has never been consistent until Stevie came along and, and his beautiful wife, Maureen Vincent. And, uh, you know, I've been at it every day. And we're talking about radio here, not sexual activity. <laughs> Uh, for almost nine years, and I love it. You know why I love it? It's it's so interesting, you know, because what I'm doing is I'm extolling the virtues of other artists. I'm not selling myself. I've been selling myself since I was eight years old, you know, on British television. So there's a, a tremendous relief when you are simply saying, I love Otis Redding, and you're going to love Otis Redding too. Because if I'm passionate about what I'm doing, which I am, music, rock and roll, acting, theatre, whatever it is, uh, you know, I, lo I love doing it. But to push new artists and old artists that I love into the minds and souls of people is really a, a spiritual quest. That's amazing. So diving in to uh, the Your Life, the Mixtape part, tell me, uh, what is the last song that you listened to? The last song that I listened to was Love Man by Otis Redding. Oh, wow. Nice. Which is an incredible song. I was a bit, very sort of uh, egoistically, I was listening to my version of it, which I did with John Cale from the Velvet Underground. And I was, we've been going through all of my stuff for the archive vibe, you know, and, and I came across this and I'm 19, you know, working with John Cale from the Velvet Underground. That's the last song I, I listened to. That's amazing. I love that. Wow. So other than yourself, uh, who, is, who is an artist that you feel like everyone should be listening to? Everyone should be listening to whoever they choose to be. You see, the thing for me about that is, let's just say me, you know, uh, the, the artist that I think influenced me most was John Lee Hooker. That, that was the first time I thought, Oh, I'm feeling something below the waist, you know. 
And uh, I'm in a boarding school with a bunch of boys who so was dangerous, you know what I mean? But <laughs> <laughs> so the blues gave me this incredible vibe. And I thought, oh, my God, John Lee Hooker. But, you know, it's very interesting, I'm sure, for you to hear what people said, you know, their first real thing, rather than thinking about it. Because if you send a list of things as what do you dig, you know, you start thinking, oh, well, like sort of Eddie Cochran, maybe, or like, or maybe John Lennon solo, whatever it is, you know, it all shifts. But I can tell you with my full soul and heart that John Lee Hooker's groove absolutely set me up for the rest of my life. That's brilliant. What is the song uh, that always makes you smile? I smile uh, not out of a pleasant smile, in a sense. It is a smile of knowledge, and it would be Imagine, from John Lennon, which I smile knowing that he knew what time it was, and it brings a tear to my eye right now. Because it's not, oh, that's cute, you know, that's nice. Well, a lovely ballad, P.P. Arnold, oh, great, you know. But it's not that. The smile I have is a smile of acknowledging the soul of John Lennon. If your life were a television show, what would the theme song be? MacGyver. <laughs> you insane? <laughs> the theme to MacGyver, for God's sake, you know. Uh, absolutely whatever that was you know that sort of like 80s groove you know but uh you know the tv show i don't know to answer you correctly uh i i've always adored the uh, lord uh, what, what was that what was that fabulous show that i adored it escapes me right now oh My, miami vice which i did several times with don you know i always thought that that groove was so amazing and it, it was so 80s and so I always think that when I'm walking down the street sometimes, because uh, Dungeon's a dear friend of mine, you know, you may, you may or may not know, but, uh, you know, I love him and his family. And, uh, you know, and it would be that Miami Vice sort of, wow, yeah, I love that. That's the Miami Vice theme song is, I feel like still to this day, just absolutely iconic and still holds up. Absolutely. Killer. Jan Hammer. Incredible. So speaking of the 80s, uh, what is your favorite song from the 80s? Obsession, <laughs> <laughs> which I wrote with Holly Knight, the brilliant Holly Knight. And it was number one all over the world. You know, I like that song very much. The many As do I. <laughs> Good. What is your favorite song from the 90s? You know, I, I would say Kurtz, the first song that, that Nirvana came out with, you know, would, would just blew my mind. Yeah, I know, God, you know, this is unbelievable. This is so committed. You know, you can tell those artists that are committed to something that you don't know about yet. And you hear a song like that and you go, well, wait a minute. You know, that that is a, you know, a, a human's view of what time it is for him. And therefore, you know, listen, this was number one song um, over Michael Jackson. This kid from Seattle, you know, these guys. I mean, it's an amazing song. So that. And it, it, it definitely I remember the first time I heard it. You 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 felt that like 
there there was a shift coming yeah and like it was it was very much that yeah a change is going to come you know and yeah. it did, and it must and it hasn't lately what is the song that best summarizes what love is i think all you need is love with the Beatles is the is the obvious answer because it is so universal. You know, I could be smart and give you a Janis Joplin B-side, but I would say all you need is love is the most loving song ever written. And I know that they wrote it, essentially John wrote it, of course, and, and it was for this international TV broadcast, which was in and of itself something very new um you know scientifically and the, and that song really changed things in the it put it on the map it was like a commercial for love and peace so on the on the flip side of that uh what is the best breakup song the the best breakup song is uh, you know i think and people's i can't stand the rain because, I mean, if you really think about it and you're looking through that window and you're looking through that window and you're looking through that fucking window and where is that? Why did they leave? Where are they? Why did you leave me? I can't stand the rain. You know, and I think that that really was very emotionally moving to me when I was a young and when I first heard it, I thought that is the greatest, you know, weeping, you know, because we've all been through that. The, the whole thing about music and writing songs is, it's an accumulation of what the world is feeling. So then, you know, everybody will get something out of it, you know, and, and that song in particular, of course, is not available in, in most people's lives. I play it every other week because it's such a beautiful song. Terry Reid used to play it, the great Terry Reid used to play it when we were like 15, 16, and we were hanging out in the clubs and he would play, you know, I can't stand the rain, you know, we had this raspberry kind of, Rod by happening and she just and she gave up after a couple of songs she wrote it with her husband it's a great song what is the best song from the year that you were born well i you know i was i was a huge bing crosby fan <laughs> and and the biggest song that ever happened in the world and and i still think it's the biggest selling record is white christmas that that came around the time I was born, you know, to be shifty about it. But it was some somewhere around there because I was very young. Apparently, at two or three years old, I was going. I had a rhythm, right? And 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 that song is so just swings. It's a white Christmas. <laughs> what is the greatest song from a film soundtrack? Uh, unquestionably, I think, you know, it's very difficult to uh, to answer that question. I, I, I saw it in your list and I really couldn't come up with it. You know, I, again, I'll be egoic. And I did a, a wrote a song with Andy Taylor called We Fight for Love. And it was a theme song of Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> Commando. <laughs> And we just finished the tour and we went into the studio with those guys, John and Andy, God bless Andy, you know, and Tony Thompson, God bless Tony Thompson. And we kicked that song. And I think it's fantastic. We fight for love. And I thought, whoa, that's a great title. And boom, we did that. So I would say, you know, obviously, if you ask me these questions, I could say some obscure French movie. But to be honest with you. I think that that song is a great rock and roll song that uh, to people sort of, you know, maybe have not heard and I want them to hear it.
So start to finish, uh, what film has the greatest soundtrack? Oh, God. You know, I'll tell you an artist who Nine Inch Nails was one of the, is, you know. I mean, Trent Reznor, to me, is the, you know, the Mozart of rock and roll. Trent Reznor is a genius. And any movie, I think the Brad Pitt one where he played a cop, can you remember the name of that? That one uh, with Morgan Freeman. Um, the, the soundtrack to that. Um, seven. Movie, yeah, right. Exactly. The, the, that, you know, that the whole, the music, all of that movie was just staggering. I mean, it really, every moment was captured uh, with the, this be- beautiful musicality that Trent Reznor is capable of. What television show has the best theme song? WKIP in Cincinnati. That is absolutely correct. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so jolly, you know, it's so jolly and endearing. And, and, you know, and I did that show. I even did the uh, remake of that show where I played a DJ of all things with the the dearly departed Tony Katane, who I do it. But I, I think that the, yeah, the original song is just so catchy. And so alluring, you know, and it opens a door that you can go in and relax and have fun. What is uh, the best song from a Disney film? That I don't really, you know, have a choice of that to be, uh, you know, I, I adore early Disney. You know, it really reminds me of my childhood and I can drift off into that childhood space, which sometimes is healthy and sometimes isn't, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't have an answer for a Disney theme song. You know, I really don't because I don't know the canon of that particular world too much. I I wasn't a big uh, cartoon fan. You know, I was more into sort of, you know, late 50s, early 60s, black and white French sexy movies like Serge Gainsbourg or something, you know, Jane Birkin. (laughs) What was that song called they did? Sexy song. It was called I Want to Fuck fuck You. Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure. It it escapes me. Let us continue with uh, this. (laughs) (laughs) What is is the song that whenever it comes on, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you're going to dance to this song? Michael Jackson. Anything Michael Jackson, you know. I mean... Michael Jackson, something else. But I'll tell you who I really dig, um, uh, and that it, you know, is uh, R&B. But if I if I had to choose a dance thing, it would be, um, you know, James Brown because James Brown really had the funkiest thing. You could go into that falsetto that was just so exquisite. And I know he was making out as he went along. I mean, this is very existentialist music that he did. Uh, he's a genius. He was an instrument in a way that improvised and improvised lyrics. Now, have you ever th- been uh, heard him described like that? I doubt it. No. Right. I mean, he's doing it in the moment, which is what all great art is doing in the moment. You believe James Dean, you know, you believe him. It's happening. It's the same with music. You know, so my favorite is Think by James Brown, because, I mean, that music, it's just irresistible. If you have that, if your heart beats below your waist, listen to James Brown. What is the song that means the most to you? Not necessarily because of the song itself, more because of the memories you have attached to it. 
Rough me do. Yeah. When I heard that, I, I started to get the idea again of what love is. Because I was an orphan, you know, I didn't know my parents, so on and so forth. If you've seen my documentary, Who Do You Want Me To Be at Amazon Prime, you'll find out a lot about me because it's extremely honest. And I was an illegitimate child. And I remember, you know, being put into these boarding schools by my very wealthy father, who then went to prison for embezzlement. And now I'm in this, you know, in these boarding schools for eight years without going anywhere. From eight to 16, you know, I was not, uh, I did not have parental guidance <laughs> and i'm very glad for it but you know it that vibe you know it's beautiful what's a song lyric that has always stuck with you blowing in the wind bob dylan because it was the forerunner of uh intelligence and uh, a need for change and uh you know clearly on every level on a Woody Guthrie level, on a folk level, on a Bob Dylan level, that song is at blow. But you know, because it was it was saying so much, and yet the title was so sort of you know largesse. It had a largesse to it, a bigness to it, and it's just blowing in the wind, you know. And but unfortunately, the wind is filled with difficulties. Vietnam, you know, uh, segregation. All of these things are in that song. If you want them to be, if you understand the song which I just played this morning and uh, it literally blowing in the wind blew my mind. What is the perfect song for a first date? I, I would say, uh, let's think, I just want to make love to you. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> From Muddy Waters, uh, yeah, the Stones, you know. I just want to, because it's so sort of innocent and sexy at the same time, you know. 60s Stones were the most sensual band, and they made it okay. They made it commercial, which is really something. But they took it from the blues, you know, and uh, made it their very own. So I just want to make love to you, because why else would you go out with somebody <laughs> you didn't know? That's fair. That is completely fair. Who is an artist considered to be a one-hit wonder that you feel like should have been bigger? I think John Waite is one of the greatest vocalists, and he had a couple of hits, I'm sure. But I, I, I always like to, you know, talk about and extol the virtues of John Waite in the Babies, and and you know, he was an amazing singer, and and still is. I mean, he's still out there singing, and he has a documentary that's terrific, and he deserves it, John Waite. What is the song that reminds you of home? San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I feel I was born in California, you know, and I didn't get here until I was like 20, you know, and then I married Miss Pamela and, and I stayed and I, I consider myself an American. So I, I get very, very, I adore this country and I, I, just loathe the division that is upon us. And I do believe that that division will disappear when the fear of the plague that we've also been under disappears, if it ever will. So just saying to you that I have a great passion for where I live, and I've lived here way longer than I ever lived in England, you know. I was a teenager virtually when I came to America in my first band, Silver Edge, you know, and I just thought, this is where I want to be. Plus, when I first saw Elvis and I heard American music and I heard the blues and I heard Eddie Cochran and I thought, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in London. I don't want to 
you know, I mean, the Hollies and all of that and the Searchers and all of those bands, I, 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 that was pop music. I wanted to get into the blues thing. And, uh, and you know, if you wanted to do that, then, you know, go tour America and play in Atlanta and go to clubs late at night after you've done your gig and listen to some blind guy with an acoustic guitar, you know, and that was America for me. So it is not a party unless this song gets played. What song is that? Beatles, Twist and Shout, Beatles, Lennon's Greatest Vocal, you know, of another of a cover. But has anybody not got up and danced to Twist and Shout by the Beatles? <laughs> you know, and I know that sort of back in the day and people would like, you know, something sort of more on a rap level. But as a human being singing a song that he loved, uh, it would be Twist and Shout from John Lennon and the Beatles. Now we'll get the fucking party going. <laughs> what is the song that defined your generation? Jumpy Jack Flash. Only because, you know, there was a guy suddenly in, in a band that really had it, that really knew it, that really, really shared the gutter, the glamour, the sexuality, the freedom, the piracy, the beauty of rock and roll. Taking it from Muddy Waters etc and making it their own and when jumping jack flash came out i thought it was a song of pride of pride in being against the machine against the politicized world that we live in and there was a great sense of sensuality and freedom to the rolling stones that will never happen again because they opened the door and they closed it behind them what is your favorite song by your favorite artist I would say Moon Edge Daydream by David Bowie is one of the greatest songs ever written. It's such an incredible lyric. And, and you know, the thing about David Bowie for me is many, many things. The movie Moon Edge Daydream is absolutely exquisitely done if you haven't seen it. But for me, he's using lyrics not so much as a story, but as a feeling. Now, very few people can do that, you know, where they seem obscure and strange. There are two things going on. One, they are obscure and strange. And two, they change as you listen to them. As you age, those that song in particular, and, and a few others, of course, change as you change. So you, you re-listen and re-understand what they're doing. Now, that's called magnificent art. You know, It is the complete opposite of twist and shout. But both have their categories of greatness. So Bowie's Moon Age Daydream without question. What is the song that you could listen to over and over and over again and never get sick of? Well, you know, again, it would be um, James Brown for me. I, I listen to him virtually every day, you know. Uh, but I also listen to Otis Redding. And Otis Redding, uh, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, for me, is the most romantic song. So I would say that, you know. But why I say James Brown is, is because, you know, my soul is like that. You know, I am into R&B very deeply, you know, Sam Cooke and so on. I mean, they made, they, they meant so much to me, especially David Ruffin of The Temptations. You know, any song that he sang with The Temptations, who I consider the greatest vocal, uh, you know, group ever. Um, so I would say on a romantic level that sitting in the dark of the bay, it's also underscored by his premature death because one thinks of him on the beach singing this song and within a year or so he was gone. So it has a great emotionality to it. 
what is the greatest music video of all time? The greatest, uh, you know, it's, I, I, you know, again, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but Jumping Jack Flash from the road, they were doing videos back in the 60s. And Jack is all painted up. Brian is crazy with beautiful makeup and key, blah, 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 skull and, you know, the whole Stones ethos was captured in that video. You know, there's been one, you know, if you want to go to Michael Jackson and Madonna and all of this, I don't want to go there. That's show business. You know, I, I want rock and roll. Now, who would make a rock and roll video better than the Stones? I mean, the, the ones that they did later perhaps were not so wonderful. But that's because they Mick would adopt and adapt what was needed on a corporate level, absolutely. But that was, you know, when Andrew Lou Golden was there and all of that, you know, I think the Stones were at their peak. I adore them, whatever they do. You know, they could cough into the microphone and I would adore the Stones. I was very lucky to get a, a dear friend of mine gave me a rehearsal session uh, at Trident Studios at the Rolling Stones of, of new songs that have never been heard. So what you what I did was I listened to them as exactly as they were making songs. For instance, they do you know ba da da you know Keith would play a riff and you'd hear me go oh oh yeah oh yeah you know and they weren't words yet. So he was getting a melody together and you were listening to them. You know, obviously a big Stones fan. Answer to your question without question: Jumping Jack Flash from the sixties. And and all the directors that did all of these magnificent YouTube video, uh-uh, rock and roll, lipstick. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> yeah, no. that would be my era. Lipstick and hashies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What is the greatest musical collaboration of all time? Oh, oh that's fantastic. I, I, I the, the, for me... Dylan and Johnny Cash was to see them clearly out of their heads on something. You know, either they were drunk or they were on other stuff, but there was a camaraderie of two iconic guys. And it's only a couple of minutes long. And I've never forgotten it because these guys are completely relaxed. They, they obviously love each other. Johnny Cash's voice sometimes, shall we say, wasn't in tune. And nor was Bob's. And who gives up, you know? <laughs> I mean, the two of them together were absolutely, I think that's the greatest, <laughs> you know. I mean, one could use others, but that is the one that I initially think about when you ask that question. Johnny Cash, Bob Dylan. If you could have a song play anytime you entered a room, what would it be? <laughs> Stay away to heaven, darling. Excellent. <laughs> I suppose it would be that, you know, or, or some Queen song, you know, bombastically glorious. You know. But uh, the, it's such a great question because it doesn't answer the person, you know, the, the person you're asking really has to be careful, you know. <laughs> I want horns blaring and, you know, and, and some gorgeous song like that. What is your villain era theme song? MacGyver! <laughs> Murdoch, the greatest villain of all time, for goodness sake. Uh, and then uh, I, I had nothing else to add. 
<laughs> to watch those reruns. You know, on social media, I swear to God, Murdoch is alive. He's still alive, that character I played, that bad guy. I mean, people still love it. People love bad guys and high cheekbones. They love it. You know, and I'm more than happy to bring it to them. But, you know, let's see. What was your question? What is the signature TV show? The the best TV show theme song? Yes, sir. Well, I, I, you know, what was what was The Sopranos? Oh, I know what it what I like. That thing with Kieran, the, you know, about the linky the East End of London gangsters. That was oh, Nick Peaky Kelly. Blinders. Yeah, Peaky Blinders is the greatest TV show ever, as as I'm sure you're aware. <laughs> and Nick Cave, Nick Cave did the song. The right hands, you know, the red hands thing. That song, that's that's the one. What is a song that people would be surprised that you love? Well, I love anything by Barbara Streisand. You know, I always, and, you know, Don Johnson went out with her for a little while. They, they were, you know, they were very, very close. And I remember we were in this incredible sort of uh, transportation, which was not a limo. It, it was like a spaceship. And it had a living room in the back. It was literally couches and things, right? So we were in there and we were going to see the Lakers play, DJ being very sporty. And we were just sitting there, it was very relaxed. And she started to sing, um, it was a Beatle, Eleanor Rigby. Oh, wow. And I'm sitting there and DJ's the, both of them, you know, gorgeous, wonderful, talented and, and me and Don just heard this music this sound and it was Barbara Streisand singing a cappella a Beatle tune I, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it so I'll go with that if there were a musical Mount Rushmore for you who would be on it Little Richard Elvis, Bo Diddley, Muddy Waters, Bob Dylan, Keith Richards. So we have uh, come to the final question, and you are at the entrance of whatever kind of afterlifey type thing that you might believe in. And uh, before they'll let you through, they're making you a lovely gift basket. There's some muffins and some paperwork you have to fill out, but you can worry about that later. Um, but they are also making a mixtape of your life. So tell me what is the first song on that mixtape? Knocking on Heaven's Door. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your day to talk to me a little bit. This this has been just absolutely incredible and an interview that I will probably never forget. Uh, oh, so thank you so no, much. Really amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, thank you so much. I've enjoyed it tremendously. It does make me think of who I am, and I'm very, very grateful. Thank you. Um, so if there is anything that you would like to plug or if you'd like to drop your social media handles, you are more than welcome to do that right now. Well, you know, Instagram, uh, yeah, social media, Instagram, Facebook, of course. 
and Twitter, and you can get me MD Bar. You know, I'm I'm all over that stuff, and I would love it if you did that, and perhaps if you could promote my show, A Little Stupid's Underground Garage, Series XM Channel 21, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. on the East Coast of this wonderful country, and 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. on the West Coast of this beautiful country. And you know, I would send kindness and coolness and courage to everybody who would be involved in anything that I ever do. This has been a Rod Wharton production in association with Spring Break 83 Entertainment. All rights and trademarks reserved. No portion of this podcast shall be reproduced commercially without explicit consent.